Well, the Gonzaga Bulldogs survived and will advance to the WCC Championship game after defeating the San Francisco Dons. They await, a gales of, they await the Gales of St. Mary's. Here's why they will secure a victory and win another WCC title. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Well, once again, the Zags are in the WCC championship game. It is inevitable that they will play on Tuesday night at the Orleans Arena in early March. It seems like every year that is where they are. And guess what? They're going to have the same opponent as we all expected they would. The St. Mary's Gales defeated BYU on Monday evening. We're going to talk about that game in the second segment. We're going to close out the show looking at some ways that Gonzaga can secure victory over St. Mary's. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk more about that 1-2-2 zone press that worked really effectively against Randy Bennett's team. Uh, But first, I want to talk more about this game against San Francisco, what we saw from the Zags here on Monday evening. Uh, The Zags won 84-73, looked like a nice 11-point victory. They jumped out to an early lead, but it was not that simple. It was not even close to that simple. Uh, The Zags kind of had some lulls, some offensive lulls in the middle of the game early in the second half. We kind of saw the, the offense sort of fall apart a little bit, couldn't find the shots that they wanted to find. And USF, they got shot makers, and those those guys made shots. <laughs> they did what they do. Khalil Shabazz was, was absolutely incredible in this game, a, a fantastic player. Seeing the way that the staff, the players, kind of honored him and respected him and showed him love after the game was, was a really cool moment, and it's one of the things that I look forward to every year in WCC and is, is knowing that Gonzaga's probably going to end some very, very good players' careers. Like, this is something that has happened in the WCC tournament a lot. And for Shabazz, especially in this era, it's not often that you know a guy is done because everybody has extra eligibility. It seems like a lot of players are leaving with a, with a year of eligibility on the table, so you never really know. You know, like Anton Watson's a great example. of Like, we, we don't know whether he's going to come back or not. In theory, he's a four-year senior. You'd think, okay, that's it for him, but he could come back. Shabazz, he's not coming back. That was it. He'd already used his final year of eligibility. He was done. And for a, for a young man who began his career, uh, he was a high school basketball player in Rainier Beach, Washington, uh, didn't get recruited highly at all, went to Central Washington for to start his career, then transferred to the University of San Francisco and became one of the best players in school history, a school that has Bill Russell, that has Bill Cartwright, that had even more recently Jamari Bouye, like a uh, really extraordinary program. And Shabazz is one of the best that's ever been there. And he... This young man did not want his career to end. You could tell he was working so hard. He had uh, somebody in the stands behind me kind of made a comparison of him to Damian Lillard, I think in part because they both wear the number zero and are undersized guards. Uh, But he has some craftiness, some creativity to his game. And I'm I'm excited to see kind of where he goes with his future. But the Zags kind of they had to they had to fight and they've been fighting all year long. They fought in every WCC game. They haven't been easy. And in this game, you know, they jumped down to a 12 to two lead for a good chunk of the first half, Anton Watson, even after he'd gone to the bench with two fouls, after he was already on the bench, he was still beating San Francisco for like 10 minutes of this game. He was, he had more points. He he had an incredible game. Uh, it, it slowed down a little bit in the second half, at least offensively, but still finished with 20 points. He had seven rebounds. He had three assists. He had two blocks, both on the same possession that were very, very epic. Uh, really kind of got the crowd finally energized and going with about six or seven minutes to go in the second half. And that kind of helps 
spurn a run uh, of some kind for the Zags. And it's so interesting, the dynamic at these Orleans Arena games, because the crowd is so pro-Gonzaga that it does, I mean, it does not feel like a neutral site game. And there was, there was a moment in this game where the, the Zags were only up two, and they got a defensive stop. I think it was a block. They scored. They came down. They got another defensive stop. And this place was roaring. It was explosively loud. And I was like, this went from a two-point Gonzaga lead to a four-point Gonzaga lead. And the energy in the building just completely changed. You could feel like the the energy for the Dons just dissipating. And they just felt like, it, maybe, the, I don't know what the players felt, but it felt like the energy in the building shifted to the point where, oh, this game is no longer tenable for the Dons. Like they had their chance to tie it and they didn't. And now that Gonzaga went from a two-point lead to a four-point lead, this thing is over. And that's not obviously what happened. I mean, it, it is what happened in the sense that the Zags won, but like that that momentum shift, you know, is, is something you just kind of feel from the energy in the building. But that's a huge advantage for Gonzaga to have a place explode like that when they make a few nice plays, even when they're, they're playing a, maybe a closer game than, than you would expect them to do. Uh, we mentioned Anton Watson's excellent performance. Uh, Got to give a shout out to Drew Timmy, of course, as well. 17 points, five of seven shooting, eight rebounds, five assists, the kind of game we just expect from Drew Timmy these days. Uh, he finished five short of breaking Frank Burgess's record, which is kind of nice that he gets the opportunity to do that against the Gales. Uh, as much as St. Mary's is going to try really, really hard to slow Drew Timmy down, I don't think they're going to hold him to under five points. That would be pretty shocking uh, considering he's had 19 and 23 points the last time these two teams played. We'll talk more about Drew Timmy in this uh, matchup later in the show, but he's going to break it. He's going to break Frank Burgess's record in uh, the Orleans arena on Tuesday evening. And it's going to be a really, really fun, exciting event for him. Uh, a tremendous honor. We'll talk more about that after he breaks the record later in the week when we don't have games to preview. Uh, but I, I think this is something that deserves to be very intensely celebrated for the amount of, of talented players that have come through Mark Few's program. Drew's the highest score. He's the highest score since Frank Burgess. And that that's already true now. And by the time, uh, tomorrow rolls around he, he might be number one overall and that's an extraordinary accomplishment uh sticking with the usf game ben greg four three-pointers made four of six from deep in this one they weren't guarding him they didn't guard anton watson either mark few talked about this after the game he kind of said I'm, I'm surprised they weren't guarding him i'm surprised teams still are guarding him. this is about watson but it's true of ben greg as well usf made a conscious decision to basically let gonzaga's post players they sagged way off of them and they let them shoot threes and Ben Gregg took advantage, as he should. That's his skill set. That's what he's on this team to do. There's more than that. He's a good offensive rebounder. He's a tenacious, uh, physical, tough guy. And he's he's you know he started to show some more of those skills around the basket on the defensive end of the floor. But by and large, Ben Gregg is a stretch four. And them not guarding him from beyond the arc was was pretty baffling, to be honest with you. And he made a pay four four or six from deep. That's when your backup big can come off the bench and drop four threes. That is tremendous. I mean, that's really, really big. And it was kind of, a again, a surprising decision by, by USF to allow him to get those open looks because he he proved that he's capable of knocking them down. Uh, last note I'll make on this game, I thought the officiating was a little inconsistent in the second half, but that's that's WCC hoops, man. That's WCC basketball. That's kind of what you get uh, with, with those uh, officiating. We saw four fouls called on Gonzaga in a one-minute span of gameplay uh, in the middle of the second half. And it's like, I don't think the officiating was super 
inconsistent in terms of sides. Like I don't think it favored Gonzaga or favored USF necessarily. I just thought it was inconsistent from half to half. And that's like my least favorite thing that officiating crews do. And you see it all that often where they let a team, they let a game be more physical in the first half. And then they completely change the way they're calling the game in the second half. Uh, it makes it really hard to know, you know, if, what you're doing is okay. It was something you were allowed to do in the first half. Suddenly you can't do it in the second half. All of a sudden you have guys in foul trouble. You have a game that slows to a crawl. Gonzaga was trying and trying and trying to get momentum in that second half. And they couldn't because the, the whistle kept blowing and it kept blowing and it kept blowing. And again, I don't think the officials were against Gonzaga by any stretch of the imagination. I just thought they were inconsistent and it's really challenging to watch basketball games when you don't know uh, if the officials are going to change the way they're calling the game in the middle of the game. Well, the rematch is officially set. Let's look at how St. Mary's got here and what it means for Gonzaga on Tuesday night, coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you have got to try a Built Bar. I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year, and if you're like me, where you also want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they are so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. They are perfect for your three-month delayed New Year's resolution. What makes Bill Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's better is they're healthy for you. They have only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Bilt Bars at Bilt.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and you can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs today. All right. Segment two. Still Andy Patton is still locked on Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. We are previewing all of the Power Six conferences this week ahead of their conference tournaments. We're going to take a look at Selection Sunday, what the bracket looks like, make our predictions, our picks for the championship, all of that great stuff. It's myself, co-host Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels. You're going to hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Fantastic stuff. Check it out. Find it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, the Gales prevailed as we expected them to do on Monday night against the BYU Cougars, ending BYU's run in the WCC. BYU joined the WCC in 2011. If you told them in 2011, hey, in 12 years, you're going to go to the Big 12. You're going to be on the big show. You're going to be in a Power 5 conference. Also, you had 24 opportunities to win a WCC championship between the men's and the women's teams. I don't think they would guess that they went 0-24 in those championships, but they did really, really nice uh, showing from the Zags, nice showing from the Gales, obviously, to, to kind of keep this team down a little bit. Uh, good luck to them in the Big 12 in all seriousness. I, I don't have any ill feelings towards BYU outside of them being a rivalry game. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that the expectation when they joined the conference was that this would be a conference where they would be able to routinely make the NCAA tournament because it was easier to win championships, and that did not happen. Gonzaga's glow up from 2011 to now has been incredible. I think it's it's hard to remember. 2011, Gonzaga had never been the number one seed in the country. That did not happen until 2013. 
they had were coming off of a season where they I think they were a nine seed and then I think they were a six seed and they played a three seeded BYU and Jimmer Fredette in the second round the year before BYU joined the conference. So at the time, BYU was a better basketball program. They were a more consistent basketball program, and Gonzaga was not what Gonzaga is. St. Mary's was also not what St. Mary's is. Now, they had been good. They had had their nice sweet 16 run with Omar Samhan a few years back, so they were a solid program still, but neither of them were where they are now. And so for BYU, they realized, hey, this isn't working. Third fiddle constantly. That's not the reason they went to the Big 12. Money is the reason they went to the Big 12. Football is the reason they went to the Big 12. But boy, howdy, that is the best basketball conference in the entire country. And BYU had the most losses they've ever had in a regular season since 2005. Most losses in a regular season since 2005. They did it in a good but not great WCC season. Now they go to the Big 12 where if they don't, significantly improve from a basketball perspective. They're going to have some serious, serious issues. For the Gales in this one, Alex Dukas had 23 points. Aiden Mahaney had 18. They were in a very, very efficient 7 from 15 from 3. Not a ton of 3-point attempts. Not a lot of shot attempts. That's what St. Mary's does. They play slow. They play methodical. They play plotting. And they ended up with a very, very efficient shooting night. When that happens, hard to beat them. It still ended up being 76-69 as a final score. BYU did make a comeback and kind of kept things interesting in the second half. Uh, They started playing a little bit more press, and guess what? It worked because that works against St. Mary's. We'll talk a lot more about that in the third and final segment, but this still ended up being a Gales victory and sets up the rematch that we all wanted to see. And I say all of us, but not quite all of us, because Drew Timmy was asked after the game uh, if he's excited about another opportunity to play St. Mary's, and he said, quite candidly, not really. (laughs) (laughs) which I appreciate. They're a really good team. They're a tough physical team. They defend him better than most teams, even though he's had a lot of success against them. Uh, I think I can appreciate saying, no, I'm not really excited about it uh, because I think that that's totally fair. However, Gonzaga has absolutely dominated in this series between these two teams. Uh, They are 16 and three against the Gales in the WCC tournament. Now, when you, when you move that to just WCC championships, they are only, only, Eight and three. (laughs) So they've still played a significantly, they have been a very, very dominant program over St. Mary's in the WCC championships. Uh, You know, St. Mary's is the biggest rival for Gonzaga and they deserve to be the biggest rival for Gonzaga. But Gonzaga has won the majority of the games in the regular season in the playoffs as well. Uh, Eight and three against them in the actual championship. Of course, we saw them get picked off a few years ago. Uh, That really, really dynamic, dominant uh, Gonzaga roster that uh, St. Mary's just slowed them down to a complete crawl. I think it was 2019 that that happened. Uh, So St. Mary's can do it. They obviously have already beaten Gonzaga this year. Uh, And the analytics still like the Gales. Right now, as as we're recording this here on Tuesday morning, just mere hours before the game, Ken Palm has St. Mary's at seven and they have the Zags at ten. And the net rankings, which aren't necessarily predictive, but are, are not, they're not predictive at all, quite honestly, but they still have the Gales at eight and the Zags at nine. So really, really close matchup between two top 10 teams in the country based on the analytics, based on the AP poll, still two top 20 teams. I think St. Mary's is 16th, uh, Gonzaga's 10th or 9th, uh, either way. Very, very solid, high-level basketball programs facing each other 6 p.m. Tuesday at the Orleans Arena. Uh, A couple other notes about St. Mary's' game against BYU. Every starter played 30-plus minutes. All of them were over 33, except for Mitchell Saxon. Mitchell Saxon played exactly 30 minutes. Everybody else played 33 or more. And it kind of points to the biggest issue for St. Mary's. And again, we'll talk about it a little bit more in the final segment, but they don't have a lot of depth. 
They haven't had a lot of depth all season long. Joshua Jefferson's coming off the bench. He's a true freshman. He's solid, uh, but shows a lot of rawness at times. Uh, Marcelonis is their best bench player. He actually began the year as a starter. Uh, with Aiden Mahady coming off the bench, they wisely eventually made the switch there and, and brought Marcelonis off the bench. And he's he's he has some really good games at times and can score in double figures quite easily. He's only averaging about six a game, though, uh, overall. After that, the rest of the depth is there's just not a lot there. Henry Wessels is a young young center for them. He's he's shown flashes at times, but he averages like less than two points per game. This team doesn't have a lot of depth. And in a tournament like this, where you play multiple games in back-to-back periods of time, that can be really challenging. And they had to play all their starters a lot. Like he said, 33 minutes for everybody except Mitchell Saxon on the starting lineup. I think 37 for Mahaney. I think 38 for Logan Johnson. Look, these guys are high-level athletes. They can handle playing 38 minutes at a game and turn it around the next day. But are you at 100% peak performance? Hard to say. And what happens if you do need more rest, if you can only play 28 minutes? Who, who does St. Mary's turn to? The Zags didn't play as much. They still played a fair amount. I was kind of hoping that they would be able to put USF away a little bit earlier and maybe have the starters play closer to 25, 28 minutes. Uh, Watson and Bolton both only played 27 minutes, so that worked out. Watson in part because he had some foul trouble. Bolton because he kind of struggled uh, in this game a little bit. But I think that every other starter still played over 30 minutes. I think Julian Strother played 38 minutes in this one. So we still saw guys kind of having to play a lot, but, but Gonzaga has better depth. Hunter Salas, Ben Gregg, Malachi Smith coming off the bench. It's better than what St. Mary's has. It's, qu- it's quite, a, quite a bit better than what St. Mary's has. I think that's one of Gonzaga's biggest advantages. And I really hope that we see them use it uh, in the game on Tuesday night, which is kind of what I want to talk about in the third and final segment. We're going to close out the show looking at this third matchup between the Gales and the Zags and what it will take for Gonzaga to secure a victory after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMontis Sabonis to keep putting up huge numbers for Sacramento. Maybe you like Zach Collins in his new role with the Spurs to keep up the high production, assuming they don't keep benching him in an effort to tank for Victor Wimignana. Maybe you like to make an exclusive bet like Corey Kispert hitting two threes in the first three minutes of Washington's next game. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment with more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment three, Stoney Patton still Locked on Zags, and we are talking Zags Gales Tuesday night, 6 p.m., Orleans Arena. It's going to be an absolute blast. We're going to take a look at five keys for Gonzaga to secure a victory against the Gales. Of course, these teams have already played twice this year. This will be their third matchup, the rubber match, after St. Mary's won the first one. Despite being down for the majority of the game, they made an epic comeback, forced overtime, won there. And then, of course, Gonzaga took care of business on their home floor in the second one. and part of the reason they were able to take advantage in that second game was that one-two-two press, and that's kind of the first key here. Press all game long. Until Randy Bennett and the Gales force you to remove the press, they should do it every single second of the game. And I think that they will. Quite honestly, I think Mark Few is willing to do that, and I think he should be willing to do that. It's not something we've always seen from Few in the past. He's a little bit more conservative with how he plays, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, and I think we've seen in the past – 
some of Mark Few's tendencies as a coach kind of play into what Randy Bennett wants, where that conservativeness on defense allows Randy's offense to do what they do. And that causes a lot of problems for them. And so I think forcing St. Mary's to be out of their comfort zone offensively is the exact right thing to do. And we have seen plenty of teams do it. Of course, Gonzaga doing it in that, that most recent game that they played, that was huge. The one, two, two press constantly threw off Aiden Mahaney and Logan Johnson. They didn't seem to know what to do. They just kept kind of passing the ball back and forth to each other. And when they did break the press, which more often than not, they did. Yeah, they had turnovers, but most of the time, when you run a press like that, the team eventually gets across half court and settles into their offense. Other teams, when you run a press like that, if they beat you and they have numbers going down the floor, they're going to try to score a basket immediately. If that were to happen, if St. Mary's were to break the press and get, you know, get the ball to Kyle Bowen across half court, he turns Mitchell Saxon is, is cutting towards the basket. Drew Timmy's kind of caught in no man's land in between those two guys and they score a basket. If that happens twice, maybe three times, Mark Few's going to pull the press. They're going to stop doing it because they can't give up easy baskets to a team like St. Mary's. You just can't do that. The last time when they would break the press, they would just settle into their offense. And so for Gonzaga, the press worked basically every possession because even if they did not get a turnover, they got to play defense against St. Mary's slow, methodical, efficient offense. Instead of playing it for 28 seconds, they played it for 18 seconds. That's an advantage. Less opportunity for Drew Timmy to get caught in a bad screen. Less opportunity for a guy to lose his guy cut into the basket and get an easy lay-in. Less opportunity for Gonzaga to get caught in a switching hell where everybody's a, everybody's a one man behind and somebody gets an open shot from three. Less opportunity for all that stuff to happen if you run a solid press and you make St. Mary's work for the first 10 to 12 seconds of the shot clock before they get into their offense. I expect St. Mary's to be more ready for this press. I do. But we also saw BYU put a press against them, and it stymied them, and it's and it, they struggled against it. Heck, we saw San Diego, Steve Lavin's Toreros, started putting more pressure on St. Mary's guards across half court, and they almost won. They came back, and were they only lost by three in that game against the Gales. So this press works. Gonzaga has the athletes. Julian Strother didn't have, hasn't had a great offensive game against St. Mary's either time they've played, but he was excellent as the one man in that one-two-two zone. I expect him to do that again. I expect him to play that role. Malachi Smith, Hunter Salas, Anton Watson, all phenomenal defensive players. I expect them to have a significant role uh, in that press as well. A couple other keys for this game. Drew Timmy, let's get him going early. I would love for Drew Timmy to break Frank Burgess's record before the first media timeout. Why not get him going right off the bat? He's averaged 21 points per game against the Gales this year. He had 19 in the first game, 23 in the second game. Overall, 15 of 25 shooting. He has been a machine against this St. Mary's team. Get him going early. Feed him the rock right out of the shoots. Make Mitchell Saxon work. If Mitchell Saxon can avoid fouling Drew Timmy, Drew Timmy should score pretty easily. He should have eight points in the first five minutes of this game, unless they're doubling him, in which case kick the ball out and find some shooters and you can get some open shots that way. Getting Mitchell Saxon in foul trouble is huge. That's how the Zags have, have had success in some of the last couple of games. He's a very, very good defensive player. He's very good at not using his body or not using his hands, using his size instead uh, and playing good defense that way. But if Gonzaga can find a way to get Drew Timmy the ball in positions to score over Saxon, again, he's shooting 15 of 25 against this team this year. He has been very, very efficient against them. I think that's a really big key is to get Drew going early and run, funnel the offense through him and force St. Mary's to either double-team him one-on-one -on -one guard him without fouling him or put him on the free throw line where maybe he's not going to score a lot of points, but then that's going to kind of lead into the third key, which is 
forcing St. Mary's to use their depth. If St. Mary's is fouling Drew Timmy a lot or fouling other players a lot, that's going to force them to use their depth. There are other ways that you can try to get them to use their depth as well. You could try to outrun them. That doesn't usually work against St. Mary's, but it's, it's, it's potentially an option. Try to run and gun and, and get out in transition and then kind of force them to get up and down the floor significantly. The press is going to help. The press is just naturally going to help. It puts more pressure on them. It forces them to not have that kind of slow bringing the ball up the court, using all 10 seconds without any pressure and kind of letting everybody relax a little bit. Putting the press on them is going to force them to work 94 feet from their basket all the way to the other basket. And it could create situations where guys are more fatigued and you need to get into their depth a little bit more. Of course, the easiest way to force St. Mary's to play their, their backups is, is foul trouble. And Drew Timmy is a huge part of that or whoever Kyle Bowen is guarding, trying to get Kyle Bowen in foul trouble. He, uh, I think, has fouled out both times Gonzaga has played, although he played 35 minutes the last time. And I think he played, I think he fouled out in overtime in the first matchup. So it's not necessarily easy to get him in foul trouble. It's not necessarily easy to get Mitchell Saxon in foul trouble. But if you do, you can beat Joshua Jefferson. You can beat Henry Wessels. You can beat those guys coming off the bench. They're not as good. And I think for St. Mary's, the biggest weakness that this team has outside of their inability to break the press is their lack of depth outside of their five and six. If you count Barcelona, they're kind of six guys that they play pretty regularly. Outside of that, it gets a little murky. And trying to play for you know the second game on back-to-back days with without a ton of depth is going to be really hard. Gonzaga needs to find the best way possible to take advantage of that. Two more keys to get to the next one, crash in the offensive glass. The Zags had two offensive boards in their loss, and they had nine in their win. St. Mary's isn't going to beat you in transition. One of the reasons that you teams are a bit more hesitant to go crash the offensive glass and try to get rebounds that way is because they don't want to have too many players standing around underneath the basket. A team gets a long rebound, gets out in transition, gets an easy bucket. St. Mary's doesn't get out in transition very often by design. They're not trying to do that if i'm gonzaga i'm using that to my advantage again go crash the boards get ben greg in that game he's a machine for offensive rebounds drew timmy get second chance points i think second chance points are going to be a huge part of this game same is good at crashing the glass as well if they get second chance points you cannot give the gale second chance points because hey you're just wasting a whole other minute of clock time effectively if they get an offensive rebound they're going to use the full 20 seconds that they get on that shot clock and they're such an efficient scoring team that if they miss, you got to get that rebound. You got to take advantage of them not making a shot because if you give them a second chance, they're probably going to score. So, to me, second chance points is going to be a big factor in this game. And for Gonzaga, we saw one of the biggest differences between their first game and their second game that they played this year was the offensive rebounding. So, I'd love to see Gonzaga be more aggressive, trying to get offensive boards, trying to get second chance opportunities, uh, and making sure that they're not wasting possessions that way. And my final key for this game, Julian Strother, let's have a revenge game here. He has not played well against St. Mary's this year. He had 10 points on 4 of 11 shooting in the first game. He had 11 points on 2 of 10 shooting in the second game. He played 40 minutes in that second game, and his defense on that 1-2-2 zone is going to keep him on the floor. He's going to play a bunch of minutes. We talked about on a recent episode, on Monday's episode, actually, we talked about Strother being from Las Vegas, wanting to show out in his hometown, in his home state. Uh, and I think the, co- the the combination of him wanting revenge against St. Mary's because he's averaging 10.5 points against them and shooting 6 of 21, uh, he's I can't, I can't imagine he's happy about that, and he shouldn't be. And I think he's going to want to come out and and put some points on the board and show this team that he's, he's a high-level scorer. The fact that he's going to be playing a lot of minutes because of that 1-2-2 zone defense, I think it's kind of setting up a situation for Strother to, to really step out and, and have a good game. We'll see 
how St. Mary's defends him. Kyle Bowen is one of the best defensive players in the entire conference. Logan Johnson was the conference's defensive player of the year award nominee. Uh, so I think that they have really good defensive players they can put on Strother, but he's a really good offensive player. And I think he's going to find his way. I don't think we're going to see another abhorrent shooting performance like we've seen from him in the last few times. I think he's going to play good defense. I think he's going to contribute offensively, but I also think we're going to see a guy who's knocking down open shots, who's stretching the floor, who's using that floater game to get around screens, get to the basket, get some easy buckets that way. And I think it's a really easy, efficient, easy-ish, nothing is easy against St. Mary's defense, but I think using Strother to stretch the defense, get around screens, get into that floater area is one of the best ways Gonzaga can break down St. Mary's defense. And I think that Strother in his home state, in a championship game, feeling the pressure, feeling being home, I think he's going to have a really big game. All right, well, that is going to do it for me today. Enjoy the game tonight, Zags fans. I will be in the house at the Orleans Arena, so come say hi if you'd like to. Uh, also, don't forget to check out the new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Myself and Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels break down the biggest stories in college hoops. It is now March, so it is a big, big time to join the show. Hit this like button, hit the subscribe button on YouTube for both Locked On Zags and Locked On College Basketball if you haven't done so yet. Stay tuned for more reaction to this game and previewing the NCAA tournament coming up very shortly later this week. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Again, go Zags.